When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with... Don't be a drag, be a queen. Whether you're broke... Or evergreen. Do some more Peloton, did you? (laughs) Lady Gaga. Catherine Brandt. (laughs) And Andy Rampernhard. (laughs) We'll be right back. Stephen Cyrus. I don't know if it's Sefer. Is it Sefer? I assume it's Sefer or perhaps Safer. It's S-E-P-H-E-R. Yeah, but it's Middle Eastern, so the Stephen Cyrus Safer? Could be. We'll go with Sefer or Safer. But anyway, Stephen will be with us right after this with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Well, was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. <laughs> By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put JLo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Thank you. 
We are back, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think of that action? Andy, just let me know when. Now, it could be Stephen or Stefan. I know it's Cyrus. And it could be Sefer or Sefer or Sefer. <laughs> so many. There's some options. Don't you think there are options? Yes. So, Andy, just let me know when he's ready to go, uh-huh. and we'll find out right from him what the, the latest is, all right? Can do. All right. So, what else is going on in the world? Everything good? Well, I think I he's calling in right now. So Good. that's going on. You haven't even checked it, what if anything's going on in the, in the world? Mm-mm. I've been blissfully ignorant of what's going on in the world today. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing I you're not going to like. I that a lot. What? Uh, the uh, Department of Education, the United States Department of Education, released some stats uh, today. Yeah. Apparently, uh, 54% of Americans cannot read beyond the level of a sixth grader. That is not good news. I what? am here yeah. to tell you. 54% of like people that should be able to read? Yep. Oh, cannot read beyond the level of a, a sixth grade. <clears throat> wow. Well, we've been saying that our education system has been sucking for a long time. Well, they need to Apparently, it's true. Well, I hear Stephen is an excellent reader. So. Yay. Stephen, I heard. Or Stephen. Is it Stephen or Stephen? It's Stephen. Stephen Cyrus Affair. Safair. It's Safair. Okay. Stephen Cyrus Safair. See, we were guessing on on several pronunciations. So, Stephen, <laughs> you can read, I heard, beyond the level of a sixth grader. That's good. That That is correct. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's uh, one of those situations where people apparently, uh, the United States Department of Education released some stats yesterday that said that the 54% of the Americans cannot read beyond the level of a sixth grader. So that's not good news, Stephen. That is not, uh, it's actually sad. I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's very, very sad. But there's good news out there because I'm looking for a movie to watch. What do you think I should go see or (laughs) watch on television, Stephen? What what would you recommend? Well, well, you know, I would would recommend a film that Bruce Willis just did called Deadlock. (laughs) Fancy that. (laughs) Fancy that, Stephen. Bruce Willis. Uh, I like it. Actor, writer, yeah, producer. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. I'll do your intro after that comment. No, no, please. I, I was listening to your show the other day. Uh, um, uh, you, you guys are great. You guys are uh, uh, fun-loving, easygoing, and I quite enjoyed it. Um, um, Thank let's you. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, Deadlock is a film uh, that I executive produced along with uh, some of the producers and we uh, you know uh, we made the film in Georgia and it's uh, it's an action movie I play Bruce Willis's right-hand man in the film I play a guy named Gator of all all names um, Gator uh, and, uh, <laughs> Gator. <terrible. laughs> is it filmed in Florida yes Gator Gator and, huh is it filmed in Florida is that why you're Gator <laughs> just guessing I don't know no, it's actually funny. No, actually, uh, it, it, it's filmed in Georgia, but the character is from Florida, mm, and uh, yeah. you know, and yeah, you know, we had some, yeah, 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 we had some fun with it, and and I don't know if you guys know the storyline of it. Do you? I do not. Well, I, I do actually because I, I read it up. Uh, you sent it to Bruce Willis, starring as Ron Whitlock, a wanted criminal, leading a team of mercenaries on a mission of vengeance. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you call me? I'd love to go on a mission of vengeance. I would love to do that. It's my kind of deal, Stephen, I'll tell you that. You know, 
funny. Uh, you know, actually, I made several movies out in the South. I made a film called uh, uh, Bunk 657 Heist, which I wrote oh, yeah. and produced and co-starred with uh, Robert Robert De Niro and uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Dave Batista. That was back in 2000, I believe. That was in 2007, uh, no, eight. Oh, I was going to say. I'm sorry, <laughs> little... 2016, 2016. Yeah, there you go. Jesus, I'm there sorry. You, yeah. <laughs> uh, you just named a couple of my and, favorite uh, actors in the world, amazing. man. I love them. Oh, yeah. No, I understand. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I would I would tell you, honest to God, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think, is a highly underrated actor. I really like his stuff. You're, you're absolutely right. Actually, it was, you know, interesting uh, talking about that movie, Bus 657. Then the studio, which was Lionsgate, turned it into Heist for some reason. Um, you know, when De Niro read the script originally, he's the one who came on board for that film. And then after that, I mean, then he went to Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and he jumped on board pretty quickly. And, you know, he's a... Uh, you're right about what you're saying. He's extremely underrated. I think he's a tremendous actor. And the mm-hmm. film... You know, some of these independent action films are not easy to make. You know, uh, you're limited with budgets, and we did the best we could. And I think it, we had like seven stars in that film, which was pretty amazing. So, and that was uh, uh, filmed in uh, in Mobile, Alabama. So, oh, you know, again, sure. the South. It's a good time. I understand that completely. You know, I, I do have to ask you a question, Stephen, because you would have the answer to this. I do not understand. You know, I hop on, uh, let's say, a site like Voodoo once in a while. Voodoo has lots of uh, movies for rent, or you can buy them or whatever. And I, to tell you the truth, I've always liked uh, Bruce Willis, all going all the way back to what was it called? Honey, what was it called? Honeymoon or what, Honeymoon or what was it called? Oh, not that you said yeah. that. Uh, moonlighting. 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 Yeah, not Honeymoon, but Moonlighting, exactly. Bartender <laughs> in New York, I believe, in the Hell's Kitchen district, and somebody found him, starred in that. I like Bruce Willis, but what I'm asking you here, Stephen, is... When you go on these rating systems like Rotten Tomatoes and all that kind of stuff, he's one of those yeah. actors that gets a lot of zero. What is that about people that, oh, I hate everything he does? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> okay, I love the question. So um, so first and foremost, I'll tell you about these online ratings, number one. Yeah, yeah. Um, when when an ind- when, a, when you make a film like this, you know the studio picks it up. Usually, they give you a deal up front. Say, okay, if you make this film, we'll distribute it. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's a little different than where, say, Universal or Paramount says we're making this movie from scratch. The difference is is that when that happens, when a when a studio comes in from from the get go, it, it, it they put a marketing team behind it and they. Uh, marketed on on, on uh, social media and everywhere they can to get this thing done. So when you're an independent group that has a paper from a studio, they will distribute once you finish. You're kind of uh, exposed, and there's a lot of trolls out there in the in the world of uh, internet. And you know, you make a good movie, and they they they, they start knocking it, and they start talking uh, right. you know bad things about it. So that's one thing that's really part of that world. Uh, you know, for independent films. Um, in regards to Bruce Willis, you know, he's made a lot of movies lately. Uh, he has a, a niche now for himself as an action guy. He comes in, you know, he does the work, and, and, and his name sells the film. So I think some people are just disappointed, probably, in, in that aspect of it. Um, but, you know, uh, he's still an amazing actor. I mean, you know, it's funny you bring up Moonlighting, 
when I first met him uh, on the set, actually at the hotel, and I told him, I said, look, we studied your moonlighting uh, chemistry tape sure. with Sybil yep. Shepard for the show before you were hired. And he was like, wow, really? I said, yeah. I said, this is so, once we established that rapport with him, once that happened, he was he was very gracious, gracious, very giving actor. So he's an extremely, really nice guy. So, you know, people are going to talk. You can't, you can't, you know, everybody's got an opinion. You know, yeah, that is yeah. a, I don't, Stephen, it's going to be hard for you this to believe, but there are people who don't like me. I know it's hard to believe. (laughs) (laughs) My wife is laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go, exactly. See, there we go. We can make a movie together about a a morning show and a podcaster that no one likes. That would be good. That would be fantastic. Work like a truck. And it's successful. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's good. Well, you know, we had talked about that a little bit this morning, and I'll get back on topic in a second here. But basically right now, and I, God, I can't remember the actor I was talking to about this, but I said, why are we in a situation right now where 54% of people can't read beyond the level of a sixth grader? We do nothing but argue from the far right and the far left. We're all stuck in the middle of that. And nobody's happy with yeah. anything. Everything you do sucks, and I hate it. Can you ever be happy? It's just It's bizarre, Stephen. You know, that is so true, and it's, I think, I think you know, I was watching this thing on, on Netflix, uh, and it was about the uh, social dilemma of social media or something like that, and it was talking about how this, uh, this uh, social media, social networks manipulate your, your behavior online, and I think what happens is they start feeding, for example, if you like, you know, ex-politician or ex-so-and-so or somebody in the, in the, in the limelight, uh, you start seeing more and more of what you want to see on your feed. So I think there's a big division because of that. Because I had a, I had a, an actor friend of mine, ironically, uh, post some things about just crazy, crazy, like really weird, like far off. I'm like, and I commented on it. He, 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 he started like coming after me and like trying to block me. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's the issue, honestly. I mean, I'm not I'm not an expert by any means to talk about this, but I think people are just being divided, and I think there needs to be some kind of a just like you know, I mean, you know, when you're on live on television, there's a little you know uh, a delay, four second delay, or two seconds. You know, there's got to be some kind of control because it's the wild, wild west right now on social media. Oh, there's no question about it. an example of that. It's I, I do a morning show, and by the way. Stephen, you should come on my morning show as well. It's a, a highly rated morning show here in uh, in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, I'd love to have you on to talk about this I movie as well because we we have a really nice audience. But it it just it was one of those deals this morning. We were talking about this very same thing that that people are not happy and they do nothing but argue. I think you know I gave the example because I'm a little older than you, Stephen. The 1960s, after the yeah. death of JFK, it was one of the most miserable seven-year periods of anyone's life because then his brother got killed and MLK uh-huh. got killed. And then my neighborhood was burned to the ground in the riots in 1967. And we're headed that way again. Oh, wow. It's just disgusting, right? Uh-huh. I, I just don't, I don't understand yeah. what that's all about. So uh, somebody said, did you see what was just posted on social media? And I said, no. And he said, listen to this. That Tom Bernard. Remember what he said in 1987. It's like, what? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> It's just, yeah. why are people Listen, so miserable? I mean, it's, it's, Tom, for what it's worth, it, for what it's worth, people are going to do that all day long. There's no way one can control that aspect of things. No, I know. You're absolutely right. Okay, so back to the movie, which I'm, I'm going to watch today. Deadlock um, is the name of the movie. Yeah. Patrick Muldoon, Bruce Willis, uh, Matthew Marsden's in it, Ava Paloma's in it, but the real star is Steven. Let's not forget that. Okay. I'm just telling the world that the well, real you know, stuff. It's fun. You know, I have to tell you. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, you gotta you you gotta come to Minnesota and hang out, man. Anybody who laughs as much as you do is the kind of guy I want to hang around it. with. I'll tell you. Absolutely. I loved it. I, one of my roommates, uh, one of my roommates, uh, this guy named Adam. Uh, I'll keep his last name out. Uh, he he was from Minnesota, and we were roommates for seven years. I get along with uh, with uh, you know uh, Adams and, and the like very 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 well. You know uh, the thing about uh, playing this this character uh, Gator, uh, <laughs> it, it was actually interesting. Let me just tell you a little bit about the experience about that. Love it. You know uh, we thought we were going to play Gator. Great. You know that's going to be good. So I figured this guy's a bulldog, and he's constantly looking for a fight. Uh, my character in the film. Looking mm-hmm. for, you know, going after Patrick Muldoon, just looking for a fight. And I, I played him that way. I played him that is like just kind of, uh, I'm going to hit first and then ask questions later. And I watched the film when it was done, and I was giggling because that's not who I am. But people will see that because I've done it before. I played a gangster in a film that I directed called Dead on Arrival, which we also shot in Louisiana. And I played a mafia gangster. And uh, we, we we were in the Louisiana Film Festival, and when the lights came on, you know, you know, we came out and there was an applause, and people were looking at me like I was a real guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. He'll he'll kill us if we don't applaud. <laughs> might yeah, you could apply that towards <laughs> reviews, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's so, true. Yeah, so it's, it's it's that that aspect of things where people actually believe it. Uh, so I, I took I took the same approach. And just kind of lived in the moment with this character uh, in, in Deadlock as well. But yeah, it just seems that I play these guys sometimes. What can I tell you, man? No, I like it. I, I like it a lot. I want to do the synopsis for the, the uh, listeners now. Bruce Willis stars as Ron Whitlock, a wanted criminal leading a team of mercenaries on a mission of vengeance. Convinced that the government is working against them, the merciless group brutally seizes an energy plant, holds everyone inside hostage. With a nearby town on the brink of massive flooding and destruction, it's up to one retired elite army ranger, Mac Carr, Patrick Muldoon, to save thousands of innocent lives before it's too late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I threw that last part in, by the way. So, so, so here's what I suggest. Here's what I suggest. Grab a beer, have some popcorn, don't think too hard about it, and just enjoy the film. <laughs> Well, I'm in radio, so I don't think too hard anyway, but it all works out in the end. Um, I, I cannot, uh, seriously, I love these kind of movies. I have uh, never met, I, I have some friends that know Bruce Willis pretty well, and they think the world of the guy. He goes up to Montana, I think it is a lot, or Utah, or one of those places. He's always hanging out there, and I got some friends out there. And the people that I know that know him like him, and other people tell me he's really hard to get along with. But I, I don't know. I, the people that I know that, that know him like him a lot. Yeah, I think, uh, just to add my two cents to this, uh, the situation with Bruce Willis, you know, I met him in person on this film. Uh, he was super nice. Um, he was very gracious as an actor. i tell you an interesting uh, thing that happened. I think people should know about this. You know, um, 
I got on the set. Uh, he knew I was playing the character, his right hand man, and 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 I I did a couple of what you do, what you call blocking, where you you know you you take a couple of steps where you're going to stop, you know, you you stop at a certain place where the camera knows you're stopping. Then you have your dialogue, and then you know it continues. So I did that. I took a couple of steps back, and I took a couple of steps forward, which was right next to his chair. And he was sitting down. He was looking at me doing it, and uh, he looked at me. And there was a sandbag sitting on his on his chair. And he looked at me as a mega movie star. He took the sandbag and he put it down as a placement for me to stop. He was helping my my character, my role. I was like, wow, this is pretty, that's pretty graceful. That's really cool, yeah. man. You know, like, I didn't have to do that at all. You know, and he did. So, look, um, no one's perfect, right? Everybody's got a day right, sure. here and there. But my experience, he's fantastic. He's a, he's a super guy. See, yeah, I'm glad to hear that because it's just uh, we need more of that right now. It, it, I'm very serious about this, and I'll get off off of the topic very quickly. But I am becoming more and more concerned about the divisions in this uh, in the world, but particularly in the United States. It's going to get yeah. very violent if we don't stop this because that's exactly what happened in the 1960s. People got really violent and started killing everybody, like the Kennedys and MLK, and go down the list. It's got to yeah. stop. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know what's funny? You keep uh, you bring up uh, JFK. I was commissioned to write a screenplay about uh, JFK. Um, well, it was actually a police officer back in Dallas. Uh, it was a sheriff deputy, uh, and and oh, uh, we yeah. got the right his life story. And and I wrote the script, and I started doing research about JFK and getting to that whole world in the 1960s. And there was a lot of corruption, and you know there was a lot of yep. things that I figured out when you back engineered the whole thing into what actually happened, and the 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 BS that they fed to the people that one man shot. There's just no way. There's just no right. way. And and looking at all the facts, uh, so when you bring this up and you're comparing it to our times today, I think I'm hoping one can hope that it's a little different world, and people will take the the higher road of, of things than back then, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, on the morning show, I, on this morning I had a guest on, does a podcast about the MLK uh, killing, and he made a statement on the air, and he says he can prove it, that uh, James Earl Ray was not the guy who shot MLK, that he was brought in to play the fall guy, that he was involved, but he's not yeah. the one who shot uh, MLK. I mean, it's that's pretty yeah. fascinating if that's true. Yeah. Because it's exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, it's funny. Um, I did about six to eight months of research before I wrote the, the script. The script is called The Deputy. It's about a deputy, uh, uh, Roger uh, Roger Craig. Uh, and he was the guy that basically said, no, 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 this didn't happen. They kicked him mm -hmm. off the force uh, in Dallas. Uh, and they basically tried to kill him five times. And I think on the fifth time... Uh, he shot himself with a shotgun that was about 10 feet away from his bed, so that's kind of weird. And it <laughs> that's was hard to do. That's <laughs> hard to do. Uh, it's a far reach, you know, and, and it just yeah. goes on and on and on. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad, but, you know, I was sitting in front of a producer and I was pitching him this, this script. This was about two, three years ago. And uh, this is a very big producer. He's done some really big movies in Hollywood. And he goes, no, 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 no. I know, uh, I know the people that were involved. No, 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 it's, it's, it's Oswald. He was so convinced. I was like, okay, yeah. well, you're not the guy yep. for this. But it was, this is time to change, you know? People believe what they want to believe. 
Stephen, I will tell you, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but Dennis Miller, very, very funny comedian back in the day, uh, was on stage. Uh, we, were, we were at the uh, Kravis Center in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, and we went to see Dennis Miller. And he walks on stage, and, and the JFK uh, assassination came up. Uh, he said, I have a question for you about the police department in Dallas, because I'm assuming... Um, the couple of days after or the day after JFK was shot, they would have more people guarding the precinct. And so did the guy downstairs, did he call up to the uh, captain and say, hey, captain, uh, there's a guy at the back door here. Uh, he's a, a guy named Jack Ruby, and he uh, owns a local titty bar, and he's got a gun. Should I let him in? <laughs> Which I, th- I thought was brilliant comedy right there. <laughs> it's true. How the hell do you ever get in there with a gun, for Christ's sake? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, the only thing that will change, uh, change today from back then in the 1960s is that everybody's got a cell phone now and a camera on it, right? Yep. So it's a little bit more difficult to control the narrative yes. of what it is back then. Oh, it was easy to control. I'm, oh, God, you know, yes. well, I mean, they changed the gun. Uh, they changed the, the gun that supposedly he had. Uh, that's, I believe it, was, uh, it wasn't that gun. It was another gun. And as a matter of fact, it was yep. three different guns. It wasn't even one gun. But, but it just keeps going on, and this is what they could control back in the day. And Ruby, Ruby, you know, this, speaking of shooting a film in Louisiana, you know, again, we were doing Dead on Arrival, which is on Amazon, by the right now. If people want to watch Dead on Arrival, Wonderful. it's a good noir film, uh, and it's about this guy. It's based on the original 1953, and we changed some things around. It's a fun, fun movie uh, to do. But when we were in Louisiana, we, we basically did some more research and just part of this whole thing that we're doing with the JFK at the time. And um, I think that uh, Carlos Marcelo was the one in Louisiana, correct? Sure. Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ruby used to work for him. Yep. And if you do the math, <laughs> if, you, if you do the math, who kicked, who kicked Marcelo out of the country? The Kennedys. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. You're 100% right. Uh, Stephen, do you, I have to take a very quick break. Do you, is there any specific time you have to be out by? Uh, look, uh, maybe another 10, 15 or five, whatever works for you. It doesn't matter. Okay. Why don't we do, we'll take a couple minute break and then we'll go to the top of the hour. It should be 10 more minutes after the break. If that works for you. Sure. Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back more with Stephen uh, Cyrus Safair, the movie, ladies and gentlemen, which I will be watching. As I said, there's no question about it because I just happen. I still, I like Stephen even more than Bruce Willis now. So that's just how it is. <laughs> The movie's called Deadlock. We'll talk more about it right after this. And we are back with Stretch's picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. 
Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced, professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender. Tom here to tell you that MyPillow is the best and getting better. MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell has an amazing offer on MyPillow towels, 100% USA cotton, originally $109.99, and now a flash sale for $39.99. For a limited time and 60-day money-back guarantee, head to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials. Promo code KQRS. Get this great offer and check out the deep discounts on other products. MyPillow.com, enter promo code KQRS. MyPillow.com, promo code KQRS. QRS. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen Cyrus Safer, our special guest movie is called Deadlock. It is available right now, as a matter of fact. Me watching it tonight, as we said. Um, Stephen, where, where did you grow up? So I grew up in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, California since about 1983. My parents immigrated uh, to the States back in the uh, early 80s, and uh, that's where I grew up. But, you know, um, it was kind of funny because at the time, I uh, I didn't really have any role models uh, in person, like, you know, just people. That, and I started following Robert De Niro and, you know, just looking into his work and then started you know, looking at Sylvester Stallone. And then Dean Martin became a big influence. So sure. that's kind of where I picked up all my, uh, my the way I speak and the way I, just my behavior. You know, uh, it was tough to grow up in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, there was a, it was a whole different world at the time. But um, so, yeah, that's, that's my story in a nutshell. That's good. <laughs> well, father, you have such a good... My father is British. Uh, He's British? Okay. And no, your Curtis, mother? not British. Curtis oh, I thought Iran. you said, oh, he's yeah, Curtis. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's right. Father. There you go. Yeah, Curtis from Iran. So that's Marvelous. my grandside. Well, you have such a great attitude. You have good parents, apparently, huh? Well, uh, as, as much as we hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is as much as you can possibly hope. No doubt about it. You, you, you obviously love what you're doing, and that's probably a big part of it. But I wish to tell you the truth, and I'm not trying to you know, go over the top with this or whatever. But I wish everybody had your attitude during interviews because some people, it's like, Jesus, do I have to pull any harder to get you to say a word? You do a very good interview, Stephen. Thank you so much. You know, I have to say this uh, uh, to you regarding just the, the attitude and everything else. Uh, you know, being an artist, I, I'm doing a film. We're putting something together right now with, with some 
some somebody extremely extremely uh, you know big in the industry, and 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 I spoke to this individual as an actor for like you know two three hours, um, going about some you know the role and this and that, and and he he kept on bringing the artist part of this this world, this the artist being an artist because if you're a storyteller, you know you're an artist, if you're a painter. On and on and on. It's all about being an artist, and there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into being an artist. And you know, I think a lot of it is is having something to say is really important. And and and, and being an artist, if you just want to be famous, forget about it. You're wasting your time. And right. this, you know, you know, maybe you know. And it goes back to the parenting that you're talking about. You know, like, oh, you know, did you have good parents? Well, no, my parents weren't perfect. Absolutely not. Uh, but maybe that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's why, you know, I'm dedicated to it. Uh, believe me when I tell you, it's not an easy situation, you know, being an actor or being a writer or understanding the entire game, you know, uh, of it. it takes time and it takes, uh, you know, it takes dedication. So it's not easy. But when there's a moment to, you know, have a conversation with someone like yourself, then, you, you know, if you hold back, then that's on you. That's your mistake, you know, as an actor. I agree. No, I absolutely agree with you on that one. You're you're on to talk about a movie. You're on to sell a product. There's no question about that, and that's why when people do it and they don't really have any interest in in exchanging ideas and, and conversation, and all the rest of it, it, just, it makes no sense to me. You do a good job. That's all I'm just telling you. you do wherever you learned it, they did a good Thanks job so teaching you, and you did a good job listening. So that's good, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, 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 I appreciate it. And, you know, and it, you know, one thing is, you know, I'm not trying to drop names because uh, really it doesn't matter. Uh, but the reality is if you look at some of these big actors and these big directors, that, that you, they're just people at the end of the day. Yep, uh, yep. I, think, I think the facade of, of, of having, you know, oh, this is so-and-so, you know, it's in your own mind. They're just normal people who, you know, are good at what they do and they've been fortunate enough to do it and that's really it there's nothing specifically special about any of them except that they're good at what they do and it made mm-hmm. them known or being famous that's it that's it they're not anyone they're, they're not you know art they're just people <laughs> no it. you're absolutely right about that <laughs> I got to read this descriptor because I just saw it. I love this. Stephen Cyrus Safair stars as Gator, Bruce Willis's right-hand mercenary, who in charge. He's in charge of hunting down the film's lead, Patrick Muldoon. Safair plays a ruthless ex-soldier who lives for the hunt and the kill. When Bruce Willis actually says the line in the film, "Feed him to the Gators," he means it. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, a little behind the scenes, little behind the scenes on that, you know, uh, when you see the, the, the thing, we're, we're Bruce, uh, Willis, and myself are standing on top of this, this kind of this uh, tower, you know, rusty tower, and there's this waterfall at the bottom, and we throw this uh, this, this cop, or this actor, after he's dem- his demise, into the water, and he says, feed him to the gators, and, and he starts laughing, and that wasn't in the script. And laughing like 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 an evil laugh, you know what I mean? Right. So I started laughing. The two of us are standing on the tower laughing together, and it was just this weird moment, but it worked. You know, it was great. Uh, that's not in the scene in the movie. They they made it a little bit more somber. Feed them to the gators and just you know move on. But it blew up into this whole other thing, which you know that's part of being in the moment. And Bruce did that, um, but that's something that you're not going to see in the film. But you just heard about. It. 
Yeah, which is, <laughs> yeah, which I really appreciate. I like the behind-the-scenes stuff. I like that a lot. So, here again, Stephen, I want to, uh, and I will talk to Cassie, our, the booker on this show. She helps me out a lot with the morning show as well. But I'd like to get you booked on the morning show and uh, and talk to you on there. It's got a, a very big audience, and uh, I think you'd have a really good time. I mean, that, those interviews are only 10 minutes, so you won't get sick of me. It'll be perfect. <laughs> No, right. absolutely. Listen, just just let me know, and uh, there's a, there's a couple of really great things coming up uh, that uh, I can talk about probably then. And uh, just fortunate to to have the opportunity to to chat with you this morning a little bit, and uh, thank you for your time on this. Appreciate it. No, oh, Stephen, it was a, a thrill having you on. A great pleasure to have you on, and I look forward to our next conversation and uh, you coming back on this show. I'd love it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank. You. Stephen Cyrus Safair. The movie's called Deadlock. Andy, do you watch these kind of movies? Sorry, the uh, slider was still down. Uh, more recently, yeah, but still not that often. But why, we did do, watch, why do you um, think you... Oh, God, what did we watch? We watched something with him in it. With Bruce Willis? Something about him being retired. and they, It's like Burn Notice, but not quite. Oh, okay. Yeah, Red, I think it was called. That was him, right? Who, uh, uh, Bruce Willis? Yeah. I don't know, right? I can look it up. Uh, or yeah, unless you want to yes, look it up. Yes, it was him. So the, yeah. yeah, okay. The movie's called Red. What's it about? Uh, well, let's see here. The only reason I ask you this, Andy, is because Bruce Willis makes about four or five movies a year. That is God, true. He makes, he makes a lot of, mo- a lot he of movies. He does. Basically, he was CIA, he retired, and he knew too much. So they went oh, after, see, uh, sounds like Bruce Willis. It sounds like every Bruce Willis movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does, but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, enjoyable. Yeah, these, uh, light entertainment. Now that I've met Melissa, I watch these kind of things more. Because normally Why do you think I wouldn't, that is? I wouldn't just watch them by myself. But I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's like sitting well, there watching is... that kind of thing by yourself is kind of just I don't know. Yeah. Well, this genre is you know not to be taken seriously. Yeah, no. definitely. You know, like our guest was saying, it's like just you know. Lay, sit back, have a beer, and just don't think yep, about exactly. it too much. Because Bruce Willis always, I thought, I, I haven't seen a Bruce Willis movie in a really long time. Right. He always had a pretty, he had a good sense of humor. Well, the, the way uh, he would, the movie yeah. that catapulted him into stardom, I think, was probably Die Hard. Die Hard. That was yeah. like his first oh, yeah. really huge <laughs> mm-hmm. movie, and that was definitely like you know, it was half serious and half funny. Yeah. And that's no question about been. it. Which yeah, action movies are can be really fun, or they can just be completely terrible. Um, that is true. The fun ones are actually yeah, I don't mind watching those, even those are really not my genre. Your genre. But I'll, I'll watch. You I'll like watch John Wick. Because <laughs> that's pretty much just a hundred percent slaughter. There's no, yeah, not a lot of I mean, humor in that unless you find like you know, Final Destination type deaths funny. Yeah, I can watch some if, if it has enough sense of humor where you just can't take it seriously. But if it's just like, uh, what was it, Kill Bill? Right. You know, yeah. That, I thought that was actually kind of funny too. So I I don't mind all the slaughtering <laughs> if it's done with a sense of humor. Well, Kill Bill was almost like a live action cartoon the way they did it. Yeah, exactly. The violence was just so over the top that it didn't even seem like violence. It seemed like you know cartoon stuff happening. It, yeah, it's like the you know the action movies where somebody's jumping from an airplane onto a speeding bullet train and then right. you know gets picked up by a helicopter again and James is hanging Bond off movies, of the yeah. or what's that other uh, oh my god Mission Impossible the 
scientist guy. That's not scientist. The scientist Christian scientist. Guy. What? What? Wait. You're talking about Tom Cruise. Oh my God. Scientologist. Huh? Yes. Tom Cruise. What's his yeah, Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise. Yeah, he was always in those kind of things where it was it was just laughable. He was always like they were supposed to be taken more seriously though, because like Mission Impossible yeah. really didn't have a lot of humor in it, but the scenes no. were just so ridiculous, like being lowered into that room where if you sweat on the floor, then you know you they locked the whole building down. Right. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Even though it's played a hundred percent straight in the movie. Yeah, pretty much true. With a guy, I uh, man, I wish all our guests were as good as Stephen. He was just—he yeah, was, was happy a, to be here. He had yeah. a sense of humor. He was humor. very happy to be here. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff and oh, a lot of written stuff. and directed, and yeah, he's—he's he's a big deal. It's all true. There's no, no I, I really enjoyed him a lot, and I, I will watch his movie. Just the fact that uh, you know. Okay, I got to run some by you, Andy. Did you ever watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air? When you were younger, uh, I didn't watch it, watch it, but I definitely watched some of it. Yeah, yeah, I remember it being on in the house. <clears throat> and I know the whole theme song by heart. Yes, he does. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, never mind. Uh, the first trailer for the gritty remake of French uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air is here. It was not a gritty, gritty show. Remake. It What's says gritty. That's why well, I'm asking maybe you. Maybe it's gritty now. Fresh no, Prince was not gritty. Believe me. Not at it all. It had like you know teachable moments and that kind of thing, but no, it yeah. was a it was a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. The first uh, trailer for the gritty remake of French Prince of Bel Air is here, simply titled Bel Air. The one-hour drama tells the same family story of Will's move from West Philadelphia to Bel Air, California. But unlike the 1990 sitcom, this one will deal more with uh, with more serious themes. It was inspired by a fake trailer by a filmmaker, Morgan Cooper, which went viral and got the attention of none other than Will Smith and is now a real thing, debuting on February 13th on Peacock. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is getting rebooted, and it'll be darker, no question about that. Will Smith, who talked to Cooper in April of last year, that's Morgan Cooper, of course, filmmaker, about how much he enjoyed the trailer. Now the uh, two are working together to turn the show into reality, the hour-long Bel-Air is now being pitched to streaming services, and a bidding war has ensued. Uh, also on board per The Guardian are all original Fresh Prince producers Benny Medina and Quincy Jones. Cooper will co-write, direct, and executive produce. The showrunner will be Chris Collins of The Wire and Sons of Anarchy. So it's not going to be funny in the least, it doesn't sound like. It sounds like it's going to flop hard. It kind of does, doesn't well, it? Well, he's sort of moved away from comedy, hasn't he? <clears throat> no, he's still yeah, doing... Stuff like, you know, he's not doing comedy comedy, but he's kind of like Bruce Willis in that any, every movie he's in has some sort of, like, comedic flair to it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you think this one will? This one will not, it sounds like. Well, yeah, it also it sounds sound. like he's not in it. Oh. Mm, yeah, it doesn't say Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's just Bel-Air. <clears throat> yeah, I don't but think the young guy. Smith is, because this is about young... So the character in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was also named Will Smith, I think. Yeah, well, there you go. So, But this it's a young character. He was like you know, a teenager, so yeah. he couldn't right. play that character now. There's The only character he could really play is Uncle Phil, but he'd have to gain a lot of weight for that. Yeah, well, that's true, exactly. He'd have to eat a lot of pillowy mounds of mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. So do you want anybody want to take a guess on how many... DUIs were arrested over the holidays in Minnesota? No, Minnesota all-time alone? record, I know that. It was uh, an all-time uh, record, I yeah. do know that. I would guess hundreds. 
How about thousands? Oh, my God. <laughs> what is wrong with people? Authorities made 2,037 DWIs. Oh, oh, that's right. We call them DWIs. Yes, we do. W-I-I. We're the only state that does that, I think. Arrest during the state's extra enforcement campaign. This is from November 24th to December 31st. 2,000 what? 2021. No, no. I'm talking about 2,000 arrests. 2,030. 37. 2,037 arrests in a one, about five-week period. Yep. Jesus. It's a lot. Well, did you hear about the guy yesterday? Guy gets pulled over, driving drunk. He and his wife, he's driving, he and his wife, they're home from a bar or something. He gets pulled over, gets a DUI, and uh, so they arrest him. So the, uh, the wife says, well, I'll just take the car and take it home. Gets in, starts the car, drives it up over a curb, and hits a tree because she's drunker than her husband. Oh, lovely. Like, how did you not measure her intoxication level before you let her drive a car that a drunk guy was driving? She seemed okay to me. She was okay. Not a problem at all. Don't worry about a thing. I was down in the gym this morning, and there was somebody, you know, who's got that, like, they were out last night. Oh, God, I hate that And the whole room stinks like booze. Oh, I hate that so much, especially you go to that gym with, like, three or four people who did that. Like, oh. Well, the good thing was I thought maybe it would kill all the COVID germs. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Oh, the blood alcohol concentration of drivers was as high as 0.04, which is five times the legal limit of 0.08. Wait, that doesn't sound right. 0.4 no, would be t- five times 0.08. Oh, God, 0.4 is a very point high alcohol. Rather high, oh, yes. 0.4. I was thinking 0.04. <gasps> Ooh, that is point a lot. 0.4? 0.4. That is rather drunk. High, Two drivers maybe. had BCAs Ooh. that high. Well, at least three drivers had BCAs of 0.35. Oh. Above. And do you know when they first started doing the uh, blood alcohol level to drive a car when I was a, a kid? Mm-hmm. You know what the level was? Because it's 0.08 right now. You know what it was when I was a kid? It was much higher, right? 0.15. Yikes. <laughs> oh, I remember my parents going into the cars with al- with drinks in their hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They would have drinks before they went out. Then they, in the car, they were drinking on the way to go drinking. <laughs> Well, I'm drinking to go drinking, baby. A blackout yeah. happens around 0.16. So the fact that you could drive 0.01% below blackout drunk is uh, <laughs> probably not great. <laughs> I know. It's like, what were you thinking? There's a uh, St. Paul police arrested a 30-year-old <clears throat> woman who was angry her pizza wasn't ready when she arrived. Sure. She then sped away and rolled her SUV. Her Ooh. BAC was 0.156. There you go. And then some very sad ones about moms driving with their kids in the car. Oh, Jesus. Which makes me insane. Please don't do that. Oh, uh, in St. Francis, a guy drove through a house. Drunk driving. Drove through a house? Yep. Just drove right through a house. Okay. It's a big target. There you have it. That's true. It is a big target. There is a house on the way down to uh, Red Wing that Mom and I, when we go down to Red Wing uh, to, to hang out either at the St. James or at Treasure Island or whatever, I am surprised that house doesn't get... You know the one I'm talking about where you take the left to go down to Red Wing? And there's that house on the right side, and it, the, the, the road you're turning onto is aimed right at that house. That house has to get hit oh. by cars at least once a year, I would think. Uh, probably. 
I mean, my God. In our old stomping grounds, Rogers police arrested a man who was wearing one shoe who pulled up to a random house and rang the doorbell. Oops. His BAC was .21. Oh, that's a That'd be really great. You answer the phone. There's one guy with one shoe. Answer the door, you mean? I mean, answer answer the door, and he's got one shoe, and he's completely hammered. What do you do about that guy? Uh, That'd be wonderful. I wouldn't answer the door. That's right. I have. I don't know what my highest BAC ever was, but I was never even close to that point. Oh God, no! Just I remember like going when to we were talking and not knowing where the hell I am. We were talking to some friend of ours. I won't say who. And uh, his mother had given him a. I guess there's breathalyzers you can just buy. Oh sure. And of course, you know, instead of using it to figure out if he could drive responsibly or whatever, they just tried to get it as high as they possibly could. What? <laughs> the breathalyzer count. How oh many drinks? God. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a, was a <laughs> time-honored tradition, I think, back then. Oh, was it? Oh, oh Everyone who had a breathalyzer, names? yeah, there was like, oh, it's... Well, the problem with the breathalyzer, though, is you have to wait, I think, like five minutes, because otherwise the alcohol in your mouth will give you an artificially high reading. I actually know somebody that got out of a DUI once because she said she was pulled over and... I don't really have, I'm not friends with her anymore because of her drinking and driving situation. Um, And she she got pulled over and (laughs) she said, well, I just had a cocktail. And he said, oh, okay. And then let her go. (laughs) Well, I mean, technically, if (laughs) if her blood alcohol content is below 0.08, but yeah. Well, the correct thing to do would have been to say, okay, wait here for five minutes and then we'll test you again. It's only five minutes? I think so. Oh, Officer Dave, know. let's see. He says, I am 100% correct. So, hey, oh, look at seems that. Seems like it should take longer. Alcohol va- uh, evaporates very, very quickly. Oh. So anything that you don't swallow, it's going to come out in your breath very quickly. Well, I mean, what if about you the put- guy in the gym today that smelled like booze? Ugh, okay, Maybe that. drank this morning. I don't know. but He probably mm-hmm. did, yes. Ugh. I do know that a friend of mine, when I was a kid, his dad would have to get up about every two hours and drink at night. Otherwise, he'd go into the DTs. Yeah, that's uh, every night. That's a couple weeks away hours? from death, is what that is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah he just, died. He and died. Did he bleed out? No, I'm sure he did. Yeah. yeah. I got to read this because this don't sound too good, as they say. Doesn't sound too good, but this don't sound too good. Boris Johnson confirmed Wednesday that he attended a garden party at 10 Downing Street in May 2020 in the midst of a coronavirus lockdown, for which there are growing calls for his resignation. Oh, for God's Speaking sake. in the House of Commons, the British Prime Minister offered heartfelt apologies after admitting he attended the BYOB party. Bring your own bottle party mm. for 25 minutes to thank his staff. He acknowledged the rage from those who've made huge sacrifices without this pandemic, or throughout this pandemic, excuse me. But he added the work event, which his private secretary touted as socially distanced, was technically within the rules. However, CNN reports people at the time in the U.K. were barred from meeting with more than one person outdoors. I should have recognized it even if I... So he's trying to thank the staff, and they want to... they'd say he will be kicked out of the prime minister position. They, they literally are saying in, in England that he will be gone. They called him a dead man walking. Well, wonderful. Mm-hmm. I just, but again, he was trying to thank his staff. I, I don't get it. And it was a garden party outside. 
Uh, it says, uh, yeah, he attended a garden party, was outside. Are they mad about the bring-your-own-booze or the fact that there was a party? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, no, it's just an excuse to get rid of someone they don't like. Exactly. I mean, they they obviously exactly don't actually care that much, but they're pretending to care because it's politically useful to them. Yeah, I mean, everybody said, matter of fact, uh, here's a um, colleague on Boris Johnson. He's a dead man walking after apology over party. Even Tory MPs say the PM may have to go. It's insane. These coronavirus rules are getting way, way, way out of line. Now, look, he was just trying to thank them. We don't know how far he stood away from them or what, whatever. It did anybody get coronavirus? Did anybody die because he showed up? Maybe you could calm down a matter. little. They just take any little thing and just. They do, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, maybe maybe he's a terrible prime minister. I don't really know. I don't follow him. I don't really follow British politics very carefully. But honest to God, it's getting to the point where. You can't do anything without offending the whole world nope. if you're a public oh, God, figure. Right. <clears throat> well, he should comb his hair once in a while. That I would say. He does say. look a little bit disheveled. <laughs> he looks really disheveled. I don't know enough about him to have an opinion on him. I, whatever, it all works out in the end. Yeah, this so I will... almost two years ago. Yeah, so almost it's two like, years ago. I mean, yep. they're clearly mm-hmm. just, it's a political assassination is all it is. It's, well, that's what it is now. I mean, I, I've had people come after me for no reason whatsoever just because they can do it now. And people will tolerate you going after someone. Yeah, apologizing like said, was the worst thing he could do because it makes him oh, look yeah. weak. Yeah, that ain't ever going to happen with me. They didn't come after me all at once. It ain't ever going to happen. You should have said, feed them to the gators. Exactly. Feed them. Call Stephen and feed them to the gators. Well, that is one thing well, that no Western country has right now is a strong political voice. That's true. Everyone is You're either right. a coward or just a bandwagoner. That's true. You're absolutely right Except about that. the Russians. No, I, that's true. The badass. Russians, yeah, they'll, still they'll play hardball. Well, in the second part, before our guest comes on at uh, in the last half hour, we'll talk about the fact that the Chinese have now invented their own sun. Oh, how'd they do that? Oh, they um, they achieved fusion. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it. Makes me a little nervous that there's going to be another mechanical sun up in the sky over China. Well, not mm, up in the sky. Maybe that should be discussed. Hey, maybe you should. What do you mean? Not, where else would it be, Andy? Inside of a reactor? No, it's a satellite. A satellite? That's... Yeah, I'll try to track down the story, mm. and we'll do it to kick off the second. Well, that uh, makes we'll, no sense. We'll take a break and be right back in just a few minutes with the family. <laughs> 